Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell, written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Annie the Archaeopteryx loses her glasses. Oh, where are the dreaded things? Annie the Archaeopteryx was running late for school and she could not find her glasses anywhere. She had looked over the nest, in her bedroom, Aviola's cot, the kitchen, and they had not fallen down the sofa either. Baby Aviola was slapping his wings and laughing. You are no help at all, grumbled Annie. We will have to go without them. You are staying at Mary the Mammoth's house today, and I hope you're going to behave. No flying off like last time. Mary was very upset. Annie dropped Aviola at Mary's house. Thanks, Mary. Sorry, I can't stop. I'm late for school and I couldn't find my glasses anywhere this morning. That's fine, Annie. But your glasses, said Mary, but before she could finish her sentence, Annie had already taken off and was flying in the direction of the school. The dinosaurs were in the playground and Mike had organised them into teams so they could play tag races. No one wanted the trilobite on their team because he was so small and slow until Polly the Polycanthus offered to carry him on her back. That's very kind, Polly, but I think I'll sit on this log and cheer you all on instead, said Trevor. He didn't like riding on Polly's back. It made him feel very dizzy. Polly was so thoughtful offering to help him join in the fun and he felt a bit mean turning her down. She didn't seem to mind, though. Well, shout for me the loudest, laughed Polly, running off to join the race. She was even happier when the girls' team won. Polly was a bit slow, but Trudy the Trudon, Valerie the Velociraptor and Olivia the Oviraptor were smaller and faster than Alan the Allosaurus, Tyrone the Tyrannosaurus, Mike the Megalosaurus and Larry the Lamasaurus. Annie arrived and they rang the bell for the start of class. The dinosaurs lined up and marched into the classroom. They chattered excitedly as they took their seats. Well, it sounds as if everyone is here today, Annie said crossly, peering around the classroom. I would take the register as normal, but I seem to have mislaid my glasses. Polly looked over at Annie and grinned. Polly smiled at Dom the Demetrodon, who passed on his smile to Mike, and before long, everyone in the class was smiling at Annie. Please, miss, said Polly, your glasses are on your head. Yes, piped up Tracy the Triceratops. They make the shape of a triangle across your forehead and then they meet behind your ears. Annie felt the top of her head with the tip of her wing. Oh, that's where I left them. Thank you, Polly and Tracy. Now I can take the register. After all, everybody cheered. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Tuesday and on Tuesdays we always meet Carlos and his friends. So here is another meow story written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Do enjoy and sleep well. Bored Larry, part one. Bored, 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 moaned Larry as he paced up and down in front of the cat flap, flicking his tail agitatedly, rain echoing as it lashed against the back door. 
It's been like this for three days. When's it going to stop? He asked Teddy, who was checking what race meetings had not been cancelled. Well, let me finish placing bets at Catterick, Larry. Then I'll have a look at the forecast. He typed in weather for London, selecting the BBC weather picture. London was covered with rain clouds and strong winds for the next two days. Oh, sorry, Larry, there's another two days like this. Have a look if you don't believe me. Larry jumped up beside Teddy. He could see the cloud depictions hanging over London on the map. Rain, rain and more rain. Larry looked out the window despondently and slumped down onto the table. Oh, after a long hot summer we get this, it's not fair, he said, as he jumped down and started attacking the scratching pole in the corner of the kitchen. You got cabin fever, Larry, Teddy said in a solemn voice. Well, this stopped Larry in his tracks. It, is it serious? Can it be cured? Well, yes, let me look it up. There must be an answer on here. Teddy typed it in. Hmm. It says lassitude, irritability and similar symptoms resulting from long confinement or isolation indoors during the winter. We need to get you out of the house. Teddy returned to the weather page, noticing the south coast had a sun symbol over where Horace lived in Kent. He now had a solution. All they had to do was get there. Emailing Carlos, he explained the situation and the solution. Carlos agreed it was a good idea and they hadn't seen Horace for some time. He'd better include Priscilla though if she didn't mind getting her feet wet. He'd check with Horace if it was okay to come down. The next day, they set off early to avoid the rush hour and the rain which was forecast. There were still puddles around, Priscilla doing her best to miss them by tiptoeing around each one, causing much amusement. Larry just splashed through them or jumped them. Horace was waiting at the station to meet them. He didn't expect to see Priscilla. Teddy and Carlos hadn't told him in case she changed her mind. Walking down to the farm, they noticed that everything looked green and lush except the trees. They were golden brown as the autumn sun shone through them. I love this time of year, remarked Horace, as he steered them past a snarling Attila the Rottweiler, straining on the end of his chain to get at the intruders. Priscilla kept close to Horace. She wasn't keen on being Attila's next meal. Oh, what would you like to do while you're here? Horace asked. They thought for a moment. Larry was the first to reply. Well, I'd like to go hunting in the woods again. Something a bit more challenging than chasing mice around the garden. Oh, you would, wouldn't you, Larry? said Teddy, wrinkling his nose and shuddering at the thought of it. Oh, don't be too harsh on him, Teddy. There's a lot of pests destroying the crops in the fields. One or two less rabbits or pigeons isn't going to hurt. Teddy wasn't convinced by what Horace said, but it would get rid of some of the pent-up energy Larry had. Well, what about the rest of you? There was silence before a moment when Priscilla surprised them.
I'd like to go flying. They all looked at her, astonished. But it's about time I did something daring for a change. Okay, agreed Horace. I'm sure I can arrange that. Anyone else want to come? I will, said Carlos. It's got to be better than a balloon ride with a bumpy landing. And what about you, Teddy? Oh, I'll be happy just wandering around the fields in the fresh country air. Good, we can do all that tomorrow. But for now, make yourselves at home in the barn while I go and arrange everything. And off Horace went, leaving them to settle in for the night. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. It's Thursday evening, so the story this evening will all be about the McMinnie family, written and narrated by Crazy Grandma. Enjoy and sleep well. The McMinnies go swimming in a frying pan by Crazy Grandma. It was the last day of school before the summer holiday for the McMinnies and their teacher, Mr McTrainer and Mrs McBossie decided to teach the children how to swim. Now, I appreciate that you will all have been swimming in very large pools, some indoors and some outdoors, and you may even be lucky enough to have a pool in your garden for you to splash around when the weather is warm. The McMinnies, as you know, are very small and so they have a pool which is an old frying pan left behind the shed near their home in the biscuit tin. Mrs McBossie helped them to get into their swimming costumes and blew the armbands up so they would have some buoyancy as they got into the water. In the meantime, Mr McTrainer was outside filling up the frying pan with nice cold water, making sure the rope ladder was strong enough for them all to climb into the water. He also built a set of steps to enable the McMinnies to dive into the pan from the handle. The pool was looking splendid and out came a line of McMinnie children, including McIsaac, McAlfie and McAmelia. Now, we know from previous stories about the McMinnies that they sometimes don't do as they are told. So, who can guess who might misbehave today? As luck would have it, all the McMinnies climbed the rope ladder and slid down into the water. Now, no splashing each other, said Mrs McBossie. We are here today to learn how to swim. She went on to say how important it is to learn to swim, especially if you are small, because you might fall into a puddle or a stream. McAlfie was bored already. He had been told off by Mr McTrainer for splashing McAmelia and letting the air out of his armbands. Mr McTrainer and Mrs McBossie called the children to line up in a row and using their floats showed them how to push through the water kicking their feet and stretching out their arms. McAlfie kept sinking because his armbands had deflated and he was bored and wanted to splash around on his own. When all the McMinnies were gathered around the teachers McAlfie decided to sneak up the handle of the frying pan. He thought it would be great fun if he got to the top of the handle and slid down into the water. The group did not spot McAlfie sneaking away as they were learning to swim underwater 
something McAlfie did not know how to do. Within a few minutes, McAlfie had climbed right to the top of the panhandle and was deciding which way he was going to slide down into the water. He was hoping to make everyone jump as he splashed into the pan. He took a deep breath and pushed himself down the handle towards the water. Whoosh! He went and plopped right in the middle of the pool. Splash! He splashed everyone. As he sunk to the bottom of the water, he began to choke and he could not breathe without swallowing water. He gasped and thrashed around at the bottom of the pan. Suddenly, he felt a hand grabbing him by his trunks and pulling him out of the water. As he rose up into the air, he gasped again and again for breath and almost choked again on the water that he had swallowed. Mr. McTrainer held him by his trunks and waded towards the edge of the pan. He leaned over and dropped McAlfie on the grass. McAlfie felt very silly and could see the others looking at him. They were shocked and surprised to see him gasping for breath. Well, said Mrs. McBossie, are you ready to learn how to swim underwater properly now, McAlfie? Oh, yes, please, said a very sorry little McAlfie. He was not feeling very clever or funny now. Mr. McTrainer told the children that messing around in a pool of water without learning to swim is a very dangerous thing to do. They all nodded and McAlfie said he was very sorry and please, could he learn to swim properly too? Do you think McAlfie was lucky to have Mr. McTrainer watching out for him? Night, night. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. Today is Wednesday and on Wednesdays we always meet Trisky and Freddy. So here is another adventure story written and narrated by Crazy Grandma. Do enjoy and sleep well. Trisky, Freddy and Knight visit Mozambique by Crazy Grandma. Trisky was just beginning to prepare breakfast when her ring began to buzz and open. The image that began to show was a beautiful landscape with mountains and bright turquoise blue sea rolling onto soft yellow sand. <gasps> My word, what a wonderful landscape, she said, and immediately tried to work out why her ring was showing her this beautiful part of the world. Suddenly the image became fuzzy and dark and she could hear cries from birds and animals in the distance. Oh my goodness, what on earth is happening, she wondered and called Freddy and Knight to come and have a look. The images were changing constantly and they could see trees being cut down and holes in the ground being made by very large lorries. Knight looked to see where the animals were and briefly saw some birds flying out to sea and reptiles hastily running to get into the rivers to escape the demolishing of their environment. They all watched as frightened animals ran in all directions to escape trees falling and some fell into large holes where the ground had been blasted by the mining team. Immediately Trisky, Freddy and Knight packed up their breakfast and prepared to leave for Maputo, which is the capital of Mozambique to see if they could help the animals that were clearly very frightened. 
As they flew on the magic carpet, Freddy did some research about which animals they were seeing. He spotted birds and on his laptop it said there are almost 740 different birds in Mozambique. He discovered there were 170 reptiles and animals that live both in the water and on the land. Of course, they are known as amphibians. He also read that there is a huge amount of wildlife, including lions, cheetahs and leopards and rhinos, which are native to Mozambique. Oh, and as he turned the page, he read that elephants, as well as smaller animals like antelopes, zebras, hyenas and buffalo, also live in parts of Mozambique. It certainly seems like a truly wonderful environment for all kinds of animals, as well as marine wildlife, including humpback whales, whale sharks, manta rays, dolphins, dugons, turtles and many fish. So what is causing some of them to run away? It took several hours to reach Mozambique and when they arrived, there was a delegation of local people waiting at the carpet port for them. We've been expecting you, Trisky. We're desperately in need of your help. Our landscape is being torn apart and our animals are running away. They took Trisky and Freddy to see the damage. The air was thick with dust and hard to breathe. The landscape had been destroyed, including the animals' habitat. The sight of these enormous holes in the cliffs and dust and dirt that covered the plants in the forest was terrible. The sound was horrendous and clearly it was frightening away the birds and the animals and Trisky knew something had to be done soon. She immediately asked to see the city leaders and arranged for them to come and see the damage that was being done. She understood that some of them had given permission to the mining companies, but guess they had never anticipated it would be so devastating. Immediately they grouped together, told the mining companies to stop digging, they pointed out the damage they had caused and told them to leave immediately. It was heartbreaking to see so much damage but the people living in the area insisted they would repair their environment. As they started to repair the damage, they became a team and vowed not to let anyone damage their environment ever again. This is just a story, but it is a true reflection of exactly what is happening around the world. So when you see the birds and the squirrels and the hedgehogs and the bees, and the worms, remember, they are all part of our world too, and they need our help to keep it healthy and clean for them to enjoy. Night night. Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello, and welcome to Friday's Bedtime Story. Here is another story about the chimps Milo and his sister Macy and all the inhabitants of Magnolia Avenue. Written by Becca Cook and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Do enjoy. Stargazing Looking up into the night sky, the view was breathtaking. Milo the monkey let out a slow whistle. He was spellbound. For as far as the eye could see, 
a dark cloak decorated with shimmering stars stretched above the forest canopy. These stars look so close, Milo thought, as he stretched up onto his tiptoes trying to touch one. Milo's sister Macy giggled with her head tilted upwards as she stood winking as the stars twinkled and winked back. Each evening at dusk, their parents Flo and Jared had been bringing Milo and Macy to a large clearing in the forest for a bedtime story. Flo took down a blanket from Diva the hippo's saddle and spread it out on the forest floor. They all made themselves comfortable under the crescent moon, waiting for Jared to begin. Suddenly, a shooting star flew across the night sky. Quick, everyone, make a wish, called out Flo. They all closed their eyes to make their silent wishes. Diva the hippo waddled over to the blanket, eager for the tale to begin. Tonight's story begins at Alpha Centauri, the third brightest star in the sky. And my name is Captain Jared. They all rolled onto their backs, looking upwards to find the dazzling star. And so Jared's story began. Ahoy, me hearties! Tonight we brave pirates navigate the night sky in search of the lost treasure. Aye, aye, Captain Jared, everyone replied. Weigh anchor and hoist the mizzen Macy and Diva, shouted Jared. Diva and Macy looked confused. Captain Jared means pull up the anchor and get the ship sailing, explained Flo, smiling. Aye, aye, chimed Macy and Diva together. Now, get a spyglass, everyone, and remember how to join the stars together to form a shape called a constellation. We are searching for the Southern Cross, instructed Jared. Aye, Captain, chuckled Milo. With his finger, Milo traced the stars joining them together to find the shape of a cross, just like a dot-to-dot -dot puzzle. I see it, Captain. It's to our right, called out Milo. Steer the ship, Milo, straight and true, to our destination, commanded Jared. They sailed towards the Southern Cross as the night sky changed colour with streaks of pink. Captain Jared explained that they were sailing past a planet called the Milky Way. Upon entering the Summer Triangle, a shape made up from the three stars, Captain Jared called out, There she blows! They all pictured a whale surfacing next to their ship, spraying a jet of water as it took a breath of air. They were enjoying this awesome story. Jared, using his imagination, suddenly gave a warning. Sail ho! Another ship's up ahead trying to steal our treasure! Flo, who was the ship's lookout, exclaimed, Oh no, it's a Jolly Roger! I spot the skull and crossbones flag! Diva, completely absorbed in the story, yelled, Hands off! That's our loot! Heave ho, everyone! Grab a pedal and row! Aye, aye, Captain Jared, said everyone. They all imagined they were rowing across the sky as fast as they could to beat the Jolly Roger. Their ship gathered speed and as they sailed through the sky, Milo at the wheel. Suddenly, Diva burst with excitement and hollers, Treasure! I see the lost treasure! An explosion of red and blue lights came into view. They all gasped in amazement. Are they the precious stones, Captain Jared? inquired Macy. 
Me hearties, I give you the jewel box cluster, said Captain Jarrah. Wide-eyed, they stared up at the spectacular light show. We beat the other ship to the treasure. Now it's time to collect our reward and head home. Aye, aye, Captain Gerard, they all said. Returning to Magnolia Avenue, the family climbed up the treehouse ladder and got ready for bed. Milo and Macy settled into their hammocks. Falling asleep, they dreamt of sailing on the ship and finding the lost treasure. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Welcome to Children's Poetry Corner on a Sunday. The poem you're about to hear was written and narrated by Victoria Jane Clark. Do enjoy, children. The Dream Elephant I awoke with a gasp. Oh my, what's that? A purple elephant strolled past my window, wearing a hat. I ran to the window and opened it wide. I shouted, Hello, good day. Isn't it cold outside? The elephant tipped her hat in a bid to be polite. I shouted after her, asking if she was all right. The elephant turned and stretched her trunk round my waist. She lifted me out of the window and on her back I was placed. Wow! I cried. This is amazing. What's your name? The elephant said, My name is Alora, the bringer of dreams. While people sleep in their bed, I deliver good dreams. I make them up specially, back in my house. Then we come out and deliver them, me and my friend Mo the Mouse. I thought for a moment. What about nightmares? Alora shook her head and looked around in a stare. My arch-nemesis, Delaney the demon, night terror weaver. She's a clever and tricksy, shape-shifting deceiver. Mine and Mo's magic combined is usually too strong for Delaney, mind. We are good at keeping track of who's dreaming what and when, so if Delaney's meddled with the good dream and sent it round the bend, more often than not, we can cause the nasty to end and return the sleeper back to a place of calm serenity and deliver them a beautiful dream from my dream lab of chemistry. I said goodbye to Alora and Mo, curled up on my bed, all warm and aglow. The next night I ran to my window with bubbling glee. I sat waiting for hours, but they weren't there to see. Edited by Sue Rodwell smith Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.